0: What's up everybody, this is the South Down Collective, I am Steph. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're literally reading from this week's
0: notes. <laughs> 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 What's up? <laughs> I'm like, I to be able to stop laughing <laughs> if I guess.
2: You actually said I am Steph.
0: <laughs> this is episode number 37.
1: And I am Steph. Welcome to the South Down Collective. <laughs> that was Stu.
0: And I am Steve. Hey, Steve's here. The purpose of this podcast is to inform and unite local athletes to training groups, events, and opportunities in the Homa Tibeto Bayou region.
1: So this episode will air on Wednesday, July 14th, 2021 this weekend on saturday july 17th we have the big easy big heart 5k lifted nutrition and fitness also have their powerlifting meet at their facility it's the first annual meet it is on saturday july 17th from 9 a.m to 12 p.m even if you're not participating you are welcome to go watch the meet also that evening the river shack tavern is having their two miler And on Sunday, July 18th, is the Spillway Classic Trail Run 3-Miler.
0: Nice. And just a reminder, we appreciate any suggestions for upcoming guests and businesses. If anybody that you know out there would be a good candidate to come on the show, please point them in the direction of Steph, myself, or Steve. We'd love to hear from them. Love to have them on the show.
1: Are you going to commit to a marathon? What marathon? Savannah, Georgia.
0: I haven't signed up for it yet. That's what I'm
1: saying. So you're going to commit to it?
0: Hmm, maybe.
2: What's the date on that?
0: It's November. No, October. Uh, You know,
1: find out when Stu will be running his next
2: marathon.
0: I primarily want to do it just for Nikki.
2: That's right, that's gonna be her. Yeah. Is that her first full?
0: I think so. Nice. I'd like to go do it, and then even if I didn't do it to try to qualify for Boston, but just go do it just to run with her. I think that would be cool.
2: They say it's a pretty good one to qualify. Yeah. We need a 320. Yeah. I
0: think
1: you should just try and go qualify.
0: There? I think I'd rather do it at the Biloxi one. Mm It's the
1: weekend of November 6th and 7th. I today. mean, and
0: Lucas and, and a couple other guys are going, so I'd have some buddies to go and, and I could share costs with, so that's that's always.
1: Yeah, Corey Adams, I believe, is
2: going.
0: Yeah, that, that always works good for me, because I, I, I don't really like doing overnight trip. Rand you want to re- re-talk about this so we can actually put it on the podcast?
2: Well, yeah, we can. I thought you were recording the whole time. Yeah, we
1: but are. we're not talking in a way that oh. would be yeah. enthusiastic for listeners. Yeah, <laughs> in, in Steph's
0: upbeat. Tempo talk.
1: So, Stu, do you have any events that you're uh, looking at doing this year?
0: No, I don't have any.
1: (laughs) Why don't you just commit to Savannah?
0: (laughs) I am thinking about doing Savannah primarily because our friend Nicole Simmons is doing that, and that's going to be our first marathon Uh, I guess I'm debating if I'm going to treat it as a Boston qualifying race or if I'm just going to go up there to see Nikki and go run with Lucas and Corey and those other guys that are going up there and then maybe do Louisiana or the one in Biloxi as my Boston qualifier. So I haven't signed up for it yet, but now that we're talking about it, If you guys are listening, you can hit me back up and light a fire under me so I can commit to it because I would like to go up there and do it with all those guys. I think it would be a good time.
1: I personally think it'd be cool for you to train to do the full, do that one, and then go straight into a different training program to actually qualify, like you said, at Gulf Coast or Louisiana Marathon. I think that'd be a great game plan.
0: That's a good idea. I think I like that. And then that way I can kind of do the friendly aspect of it and support others in their quest and... See Savannah. I've only been to Savannah one time before, so it'd be really cool to go up there and and do it with them. So, yeah, it's a good idea.
1: Trying to work on Mike, see if he'll at least go do the half.
2: So, there's a good crew who's planning to go to that event?
1: I know there's a few who are already committed for sure.
2: Yeah,
0: Corey Adams, Lucas Girl, Nikki Simmons. There may be a couple other ones that I'm not aware of. So, yeah, several people heading up that way. Should be a good one. Good time of year. Savannah's very pretty.
1: Oh, no, I have Chicago in October. It's actually October 10th, and then Boston is the next day. So there's a lot of people, if they don't go to Savannah, it's because a month after, Savannah is the weekend of November 6th, 7th. And then, so if if there's people, you know, like Nikki or me or Nikki Nakan, not to get confused with Nikki Simmons. KGB. Um, <laughs> who are not able to go to Savannah, it's just because it would be a little bit to do the back-to-back within a month of each other.
0: It's your first trip to Chicago?
1: Yes. Well, besides, I've been in Chicago several times, but as a layover. I've never actually gotten out
0: there. That doesn't count.
1: <laughs> but legally, if I were asked, <laughs> yes, I've, I've been, been to Chicago. I've been to LAX,
0: that <laughs> doesn't count that I've been to LA. That's funny. What
1: about you, Steve? you have any cool upcoming events?
2: Well, first thing, I wanted to say a great congratulations to the CrossFit Homebrew crews. They had a couple of teams compete in the Emerald Coast Showdown. Congratulations to the Clean and Jerks, the Home Bros, and Baywatch for placing. CrossFit Homebrew showed up and dominated pretty soundly uh, in the competition. Team Baywatch finished first place. Team Homebros finished second. Oh, wow. In the female-scale division and then the male-team-scale division, each comprising with four teammates per team. So pretty phenomenal showing for local groups from around here.
1: Yeah, congratulations, guys.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So as far as me on the books, i got a couple of races in the works. I will be helping to train a buddy of mine for his first ever full marathon. That's going to be the St. Jude's Marathon up in Memphis. A great great benefit race. All the proceeds go to support families and the hospital and uh, kids going through any kind of cancer treatments up there. Uh, the setup in general for their entire hospital, as I understand it, is where there's no expenses paid at all by the families. So events like this. So in order to join, you actually need to do fundraising. So he signed up as at a certain level for fundraising, and then I did too. And so we'll get little sponsors to put maybe 10 dollars a mile or 2 dollars a mile or something like that and then you can donate it online <clears throat> and all of that towards that event for the for the kids and for the hospital.
1: Do you have to meet a certain sponsor Amount before you can actually run the full.
2: So online, you sign up for different levels that you think you can raise. Okay. Maybe fifteen hundred dollars, or three thousand, or five thousand dollars, and it is required that you raise that amount before you can do it. Okay. Each level comes up comes with certain amenities, though. They'll cover maybe your. Hotel, uh, hospital tour, private wing type of things like VIP tent, things like that. So, whatever you think you can raise, uh, going towards that event, that you'll sign up for that like gold, silver, or platinum type of level. You can do individual sponsors. Uh, you can do corporate sponsorships. So, just a great overall event. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the training goes because Mitch has only run three miles, four miles at most. And so, our training block, typical what, 16, 18 week training block that you have for a marathon, four months, four and a half months, it starts in the next few weeks. So, it's going to be a nice little challenge for him to get out of that comfort zone. So, I'm looking forward to it. And then, uh, one other buddy of mine, he and I talked about we doing a uh, ultra. And uh, the last uh, individual ultras we had done was the Children of a Cane a couple of years ago. And we signed up for the 50K. Uh, a guy named Matt Ferguson, uh, a local from England, actually, who's a soccer coach and coordinator for Terrebonne Soccer Association around here. He and I talked about uh, doing another one after we did that 50k. However, Children of the Cane, usually being in October, November, you can expect decent weather. Well, on that day, a couple of years ago, it was 90 degrees in West Baton Rouge, so it just destroyed us so we're looking for to get a little revenge back uh here so that next one for the children of the cane is going to be i think november december and it's uh we're going to go for the 50 miler so nice it'll be another gut check for us that's what i got uh coming up that's what's on the plate
1: yeah children of the cane just for the record is going to be on november 13th 2021
2: excellent and then the date for the St. Jude's Memphis Marathon. Let's see. So
1: your 50 miler is going to be
2: Oh man. two weeks
1: before Mitch's first full. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I should have and reversed that. And we just that.
1: discovered it on the podcast. Oh,
2: right. <laughs> oh, man.
1: It's gonna be awesome.
2: Well, that marathon's gonna be a stroll in the park there. <laughs> hey, well Bra- you're
1: going to help him. <laughs> exactly. So it'll actually be a phenomenal recover mm-hmm. recovery run for you after the fifty miler.
0: Yes. <laughs> Raggus did two Ironmans within two weeks. You can do a marathon <laughs> a and an That's ultra back to back. Cakewalk. Yeah. It's just a cakewalk.
1: I look I look forward to, to watching it all unfold. <laughs> <laughs> Now I hear children of the cane is pretty brutal. I have been kind of getting an itch to get back into the ultras. But that one is one that I've always been reluctant to pull the trigger on because I've just heard horror stories of how ridiculous the course is between tunnels that you have to literally crawl through and train tracks that you can barely walk on. So
2: funny story about that. And exactly right. You have to run across train tracks. And when you're running across the ties, you have to time specifically where that foot's going so you don't turn an ankle. And that is difficult if you're trying to hold the pace. So the only thing that kept us going was to sing the song from the movie Stand By Me as they're running across the train tracks from that train chasing behind them. So we just started, When the night comes <laughs> and the land is dark. And that was, that's what got us through. <laughs> that would not
0: be what I was thinking of when I was doing that. That's all I got to say.
1: <laughs> no, I've heard there's like this culvert part where there's like mud and stuff, and you, you can't see, but you're actually, I mean, and these are people, I mean, there's a 50K, a 50 miler, and a 100 miler. And this is part of the course that you're having to force yourself through to complete way more than a marathon mileage.
2: Oh, I'd never come across, unless it was like a Spartan race or a Tough Mud or something like that, anything like that, just a straight up uh, run ultra. Oddly enough, though, that part, as much as I, was, I didn't know about it, but when I got up to it, I was dreading it. Because of the way you had to stretch your legs out here and there to go like up and then down and over, you came out of it a little bit more loose, as opposed to just the straight up foot after running. foot after foot. It's a devil of an obstacle, but it ended up, I think, helping a little bit. So I got a question. I did a workout this morning, it was a CrossFit workout. It was uh, called 1776 in honor of July 4th. And teams of three had to do 1776 repetitions of 12 different combination movements where for each one of the movements, like a a burpee or a pull-up or a sit-up or an air squat or a wall ball or a push press, you could do at most 200 of each one of those movements, but the total had to be a total of 1,776 repetitions. That was at 9 a.m. this morning, and it is past 4 o'clock right now, and I'm peeing as yellow as the sun. I don't understand it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, you, and you have consumed a lot of water?
2: Probably at least half a gallon, at least 64, 65 ounces And I had banana and apple, a couple of donuts because I was hungry, (laughs) you know, anything and everything. And do you all have the same issue when it comes to dehydration? And you notice this, or am I approaching, you know, rhabdo where I need to (laughs) protein up?
1: I truthfully don't. My pee is usually pretty clear unless I've done a lot of high mileage and it was really, really, really hot. But even by now, by 4 p.m., mine would have been back to normal, hmm. unless I would have eaten something like different the night before, or taken a supplement, or something. What like did that. you have
2: to eat last and night? That could be it. I mean, you can't go to uh, get some hot and sour soup and shrimp fried rice and not expect <laughs> to have, uh, you know, some kind of like MLS- you're, you're not G-spike. peeing orange. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: in itself would make me thirsty. <laughs>
2: Maybe so, maybe the high sodium levels or the MSG levels, maybe it has something. It's got to be
0: something, because today has been a very cloudy, kind of overcast day. I pressure washed my house all morning, and I didn't even drink that much water, but I was having to pee a lot today, and I was all clear, like I was well hydrated. So today has not been the normal, typical July-type hot day.
1: No, it hasn't.
0: So for you to be like that, you're in some sort of state, so I would say probably point to that
2: Chinese food. That's yeah. just that's just my opinion. I would
1: keep drinking a lot of water just to yeah, flush it.
2: Flush it out. Alright, so no beer, no wine, nothing like that? No. Okay. Go eat some more Chinese food. No. <laughs> <laughs> no it's a I gotta replenish purpose. my sodium. I'll have a banana and no, Chinese no. food together.
0: On that on that note though, I'll say like last weekend I went out and did a a 70 mile solo ride. And lately I've been noticing since it's been hotter, I've been drinking more, been paying a little more attention to hydration. So on the bike, I usually will consume two bottles per 30 miles. And so it just so happened last weekend was kind of like today where it was raining. I didn't know how far I was going to go. I didn't bring my my little cash pouch. That In case I stop somewhere, because I didn't think I was going to be out that long. Before I knew it, I'm all the way in Gibson. So I'm out 30 miles and I'm out of water and I don't have any money. So I started looking (laughs) around for a church or something like that to get some water. And I didn't see anyone. I knew there was a fire station on the way back. So I stopped there. That one ended up being about 40 miles into it. Refilled my bottles, started feeling better. But I'm starting to kind of notice like that's my system right now. When it gets really hot, I need to have two bottles every 30 miles You know, however long I go. And that's just water? Well, one water and then one electrolyte. That's the way I do it. And I'm very systematic when I'm riding. So if it's every five miles, I'm taking a swig of one or the other and i alternate usually until I don't have any more. And
2: then I'll go and refill. And how big are these bottles for a 30-mile ride
0: for you? The electrolyte is a smaller one. I want to say it's like a 16-ounce, and then my water is a 20-ounce.
1: So do you bring like a packet to put in your yeah. electrolyte bottle to yeah. mix with water?
0: I do, but here lately I've been getting away from it because I get this like it's like a imitation. It's got a little caffeine in it too. But here lately I've been trying to be a little bit more specific on electrolytes. So I just eat, it doesn't matter what it is like Powerade or whatever, uh, zero sugar but just taking in those extra electrolytes. And so if I go to a store or whatever, I might just surprise myself with whatever I feel like, grape or whatever, just something, no sugar. I don't like the sugar in there, but get the electrolytes in there and throw that in the bottle versus some kind of caffeine energy stuff because I don't really need that a whole lot.
1: Well, and they actually, there was a podcast, and I don't even remember which one, honestly, but talking about how it's a good idea to play with things with caffeine in a powder mix if that's what you want to do to make sure that it doesn't upset your stomach but to not necessarily train with it all the time to just use it in a race so that you get more of a benefit from it especially the caffeine because if your body starts to get to a point to where it's relying on it then it doesn't its effectiveness isn't as useful to you when it comes to race day.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I ran my ultra, I I just stopped all consumption of caffeine, and I only consumed caffeine when I was training. But, yeah, you have to kind of dilute your normal intake to really get the full benefit of the caffeine.
2: Does it also, in addition to the boost of energy, does it also have some kind of pain relief type of stimulus or reduction of pain?
1: I don't know. But speaking of pain you had shared a podcast episode with us and it was talking about how like with fear and pain and things like that and how there was this endurance swimmer who was trying to swim from something Cuba yeah
0: I think from Cuba to Florida
1: and she attempted it like four times or something and finally was able to do it when she was 60 something years old
2: yes I remember hearing about that phenomenal lady and
1: and while she's swimming, she gets stung by box jellyfish. Right. Which, and I did not know this. I didn't either. um, Are, it is apparently one of the most painful feelings that you can experience, like across the board. And
0: deadly. Yes. Like instantaneously.
1: But she was so determined that she was gonna finish this that she is in the water, had just gotten stung from like her neck down her torso. And she's screaming, yelling how it feels like she's on fire. Like she's like everything burns, but she just kept swimming. They don't know how, but it was like this mental thing that no matter what happens, I'm finishing this. Like this is the day I'm going to finish the swim. And she finished. A little while later, she goes to a tattoo parlor. To get a tattoo because her and her friend have this meaningful thing that they want to get done together. And she said that the teenagers who are in there getting tattoos are laughing at her because she has tears running down her face because the pain of having the tattoo hurts so much. (laughs) So they have the, the behavioral therapist on the show saying, what's the difference? Like here you have this athlete who got stung by one of the most painful things possible while swimming and was able to accomplish this huge feat goes and gets a tattoo and and the pain brings her to tears. Do you remember what the uh, answer was Stu? No, I
2: don't remember. It's got to be something about the mindset or what you put yourself ready for. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly the behavioral and I can't remember I, I keep wanting to use the word therapist but professional said that when especially endurance athletes have this ability to be able to continue pushing through pain when there's a goal in mind. She said that some of them will sing, some of them will actually embrace the pain to a point that they can almost like push it out of their head. She said that with sprinters, they just sprint through it because they know that it's gonna be short-lived. But with endurance athletes, she said that there's this mental power that actually comes into play and each person's a little bit different, but when they know that they're going to expect pain, they're better able to mentally prepare themselves for it and push through it. But when they don't know what to expect, like with the tattoo, she wasn't able to mentally prepare herself to be able to say, this is what's gonna happen. This is how long it's gonna last. This is what you're gonna have to endure. So she's like, she just just sat there and started crying. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the idea of how much of preparations for anything endurance or any competition you're going into, you have your mental preparation, you have your nutritional preparation, you have your physical preparation. Some people would probably argue that that mental preparation, mental strength is, if not, maybe more important than anything else.
1: I think for people who have, like let's just say ultra runners, for example, You have your training program, and when you go to do your first, whether it's a 50K or a 50 mile or whatever it is, most people, when it's the first one, are adamant about nailing their mileage because there's comfort in trusting the training. With that comes the days that you run into problems or you have to push through discomfort, and that helps callous the mind for the mental part that you're gonna have to push through. Like Nikki Nockan and I were talking earlier this week, we're running Big Butts 50K in July. And she said, you know, she said, I just keep telling myself I've done a 50K before on only a 13 mile long run. But she said, I think that a lot of times what happens is that, yes, do I perform better when I have the proper mileage in? Absolutely. But she said that once you kind of, I guess, get used to it, so to speak, you have the mental ability to be able to push yourself through it and just say, this is what's going to happen today. And I think that comes from mental willpower and kind of knowing what to expect and being able to have the tools in your bag to push through that.
0: Every long distance thing that I've ever done, there's this mental preparation that goes in my mind before I actually do it, where I start thinking about all these different things that can go wrong, you know, all these different things that I might be hungry for or I might want to try because on a really long distance thing, you know, your stomach may change and you may not what what you what you actually have out. So I always try to have you know a big variety. But yeah, the 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 mental plan in my head to me that's the most important thing, and I've never had any doubt physically that I would not be able to do whatever I strive to do. But I had to decide upon it and even think about it down to the most minuscule level in my head before I did it. Maybe I might not account for everything, but I'm going to account for a lot of stuff of the unknowns. And then that just makes me even more prepared when I actually start doing it. But that always happens because usually what happens the night before, and it doesn't matter if it's an ultra run race or if it's just me going do circles around in my neighborhood. I won't be able to sleep that night before because my mind is just all over the place because I'm just so focused on what I'm about to do. But once once I actually do it, that's kind of like. Like I always tell my daughter for dancing, you know, the when you go to the recital, that's the grand finale. You've put in all this work, you've trained, you've you learned all of these dances, and then you go do your recital. That's just icing on the cake. You've already done all the work, so that's just your reward. In some ways, these races, that's just the reward from all the training and all the chaos that you put
2: your body through and the mental strain in preparing for it. Yeah, the real test is in the training. When it comes down to that day, if you put all the training in, then the competition that day the event that day is just another day now you're going to have your jitters and your butterflies and things like that but that actually can you know motivate you sure you know once you get off that initial gun so the i think the mental also plays a big role in being aware of where your body's at for anything that's over you know a couple of hours long run long bike ride it's a little bit different on your bike ride because your stomach can handle things if you're on a long run you know that you need to take in the nutrition Sometimes you just don't feel like consuming anything. Yeah. But your body is burning everything within that hour as you're taking everything in. you got to tell yourself to eat something. Eat a gummy bear. Eat an Oreo cookie. Eat something. And you say, well, my stomach's upset, so I need a cracker. Well, a cracker's going to dry you out more. So something mentally you have to say, okay, your body will need this fluid, will need this this fuel, and you have to be regimented with it.
0: Yeah, so along that note, and I will actually plug – In the show notes, the podcast that Steph was referring to, it's called How to Be Superhuman, and it's actually by Rob Pope, who is actually the real-life Forrest Gump. He actually ran the exact course Of Forrest Gump, I didn't across, that. yeah, he's he's a phenomenon. Actually, he grew his beard out and made himself look like he, he's the real life Forrest Gump. It's an amazing story. So anyway, he hosts this podcast and he interviews all of these amazing athletes from all over the world and all over the different spectrums and stuff like that. But anyway, one thing that uh, to piggyback on what Steph was talking about, what they talked about was fear, and I think we're kind of getting into that. And and they they talked about it from two different perspectives: is fear can be like a near death situation, like, you know, you car crash, or maybe you're on a cliff or something, and you're like, something happens to where, okay, I'm fearful. But there's another fear that they talked about, where that fear is the fear of failure. And that fear, we think we all face as athletes of like, maybe not being able to complete this task or not being able to complete this training or this race. And in some ways, that fear is actually more scary than a near death type fear
2: so maybe we could talk about that a little bit I think when you embark on any endeavor whatever kind of physical exercise challenge it may be whatever kind of sport or event the initial unknown the initial fear is is there for most people it's uh you know how are you going to overcome it you got to really if you can embrace the fear accept it Rather than push it away. Some people say, well, I'm not just—I'm going to think about it. Well, in my opinion, the idea of accepting that fear, planning for it ahead like the idea of the jellyfish, that's how you get beyond it. Give it a name. Take in if it's the pain you're going to feel, if it's the hot of the asphalt when you're running, if it's the sun beating down, if it's the cold if you're going through, you know, outback cross-country skiing. Embrace that fear. Accept it as part of your routine, as part of what you will experience. And then definitely you can overcome it.
1: I think exactly what you're saying, but that's where your training comes in. You're still going to have like what you're talking about with not sleeping the night before. That's a type of fear. And it's to try to have an answer for everything that could possibly happen that would keep you from being able to complete this task or making it more difficult for you to complete the task. I have always been one that's like adamant about training. Like if the training block says you go run 20 to 22 miles, you run 22 miles. That's been me. I was very fearful when I went into Grandma's marathon because I missed three key weeks of long runs because I was I don't still don't know exactly what happened, but I was not well. I, I mean I got sick, and I it was difficult to run. It was difficult to to get up and stay awake for three hours and you know go to work for a little bit and then come back home, and I was fearful that one I wasn't going to be able to actually attend grandma's marathon for a little while because I didn't know what was going on but then when I started coming back around I was really really afraid that I wasn't going to be able to set the goal that I went out to do which was to qualify for Boston and when I towed the starting line I literally had to have a chat with myself and say this is what you came out to do if you don't try to qualify you will live with the regret of not knowing if you were capable of it just go out and try to hit every mark that you know that you're going to have to hit mileage wise and pace wise for those miles and if you can stay on task great if you can't at least you know exactly where you are but i was terrified and it it was a form of fear of not knowing if i was going to be capable of being able to set out what i the whole purpose of the plane flight and everything to go out there and qualify for boston it's definitely real
2: my fear goes along those lines but it more so relates to the fear of not being able to do the things that we all enjoy doing to keep it whether it's keeping in shape or trying new adventures or new activities you know with every five years that comes along with age these these things get a little bit tougher that we're trying to do, and we're trying to maintain at a certain level. And that's just the, that's the circle of life, and everybody goes through that. And it's, it's not very a, a prominent one. It's more like a, it's a realization that one day, okay, you're going to have to do something else. You're going to have to taper it. You're going to have to change it. You see it often with bodybuilders, where in their 20s, maybe early 30s, they're slinging heavy weights around, and it's all about the power. But as they get into maybe late 30s, early 40s, they're tapering back the number of heavier weights they're doing, and then they're adding more of, more of a reps type of thing. So it's a change of a mindset. and it's, I don't know if you consider that to be a legitimate fear. It's just a transition that, you know, you have to go through. But I'm fearful that I won't be able to continue the things that I so enjoy, love doing on a daily basis, you know, to honor the body, to keep it in shape. So I don't know if it's a legitimate fear or not. It's just,
1: it is. It's your fear. Mm-hmm. And each of us have those, that's yours.
0: A fear of sustainability. I think that's, that just comes with age. I mean, I think within this last year, since we pretty much been doing the podcast, I've had to kind of revisit self a little bit that, you know, I still have this one side of me that wants to go out and, and do high mileage and doing these things, but I'm starting to question the reasoning on why I might want to do that. And then also that, I mean, I'm getting older, and stuff smiling, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> that, <laughs> and, and that I have to be a little more kinder to my body, you know, and then so I've had to work in some stretching and doing some other things in addition to uh, that allows me to keep that sustainability as well. Just to tack on a little bit on, on the fear part, for me, i don't know that i think about it as much i think that i probably more more agreement with what you're talking about is being sustained and and being able to continue to keep making progress and, and meeting goals but i have a way that i can just tune it out lots of times that i just find like i'll go out and i'll train and i'll do something and will not accept anything other than completing that task and to the point where i'll go home and then i'm collapse and i'm just worthless but i'm but i made it home but there is no surrender there is no give in you know a lot of times you know i ride with some guys sometimes they, they don't make it home they got to get picked up they have to you know call somebody to come pick them that's never happened to me and that's not that's not a bragging statement but i always feel like i have to have something left in the tank because i have to be able to get home and i always do so even i might. You know, maybe take it back a notch, not to overexert myself because I got to make it home. So I, I just have a way, I guess, of just tuning out the fear aspect of it and then just pushing
2: myself to that limit. I think that's knowing what your limits are, yeah. knowing you know, your body, knowing your nutrition, and not putting yourself into an irrecoverable situation. That very thing happened to me when I tried my first... 40 mile run I was on my 40th you. birthday that's right that's right Stu put a couple miles in with me and I was running from Homa to Thibodeau to my sister's house which is right at 20 miles and then back to Homa. and I had plotted out where my water stops were going to be I started off pretty early in the morning like three in the morning I should have started at like midnight though <laughs> because uh, I didn't account for the the heat of the day in early September And I got to 31, 32 miles, and I got to the AMC Palace movie theater, and I just sat down. I was done. And that was one of the few times in my life I just gave up. I was like, I don't have anything left in the tank. I don't know if it's improper training. I don't know if it's the conditions, but this is not my day. It's funny you remember those things, you know, and... For me, I think it wasn't the proper analyzing of all the conditions going on. I think is, you know, had it been smartest, summertime, September in, in Louisiana, is <laughs> not the smartest time to run in the midday. That mm-hmm. blood pressure was spiking up, the blood's getting a little thicker, dehydration, no matter what I'm drinking, I can't, you know, I can't hydrate enough. So I was one of those guys, you know, who didn't plan it right. And I told myself, okay, I'm not gonna give up. Yeah, I was done, tapped out. So I know my limits, and I've crossed them a few times.
1: But you've learned from that, and I'm sure it's something that you'll be able to apply when you go do another ultra or whenever you do Children of the cane, 50-miler. Like, this is what I'm not going to do, and this is what I am going to do to help prevent that from happening again.
2: I think that's one thing that age has brought is learning from some of the mistakes and, okay, plan a little bit better, improve a little bit better. And so, like you said, won't happen again.
0: Let me go back to what I said, too. It's not a snap of the fingers. It's like all of a sudden I just can push myself to the limits. I've done some, some things I'm probably really not that proud of. And, <laughs> and I used to call them like bonk rides or bonk runs where I would push myself to these limits of just like, okay, you're not getting a sip of water for 70 miles and so I would ride for 70 miles and then pull over on the side of the road, like dry, even just like in not good shape and, or go out for a run with poor nutrition. I know on purpose, purpose, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. To see where I can go.
2: Steph, you going to try that one out?
0: So, so, so I've done, I've done some stupid (laughs) things. I'm I'm, not, I'm not very proud of, but in the back of my mind, I know what that felt like and I know that I'll never get back to that level. So I know that I can always make it home because I haven't totally exerted myself. And so maybe I, this just kind of comes with experience, I guess.
1: So basically what you're trying to say is in a way you've trained for old age.
0: <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying I at know, all. I'm
1: being a punk. <laughs> I know that's not what you're saying. I just had to throw yeah. a jab. Yeah,
0: just try to throw a jab. But yeah. I think just comes a point where you just, you got to learn where your limits
2: are. Yeah, and I think, I think that's important, you know, to our listeners out there to know that, You can push yourself to achieve things that you never thought you could achieve. It's about getting out of your comfort zone. It's about pushing that limit, but make sure you do it within reason. Sometimes those ultra athletes make a decision, we end up in the hospital like I've had a couple of times, and it's not worth risk. Any long-term uh, damage, but definitely want to push yourself to see what you what you can achieve. It, it brings such a level of excitement, and that reminds me of one of the stories from the uh, Emerald Coast Throwdown Frostfed Homebrew. Well, one of the competition events, the all-female team was, was a power hang clean and then uh, like a snatch type movement, and one of the members had never done a certain weight, and never attempted a certain weight. But in order to take first place for that event and go on to get second place for the entire event, she had to hit this weight. And her husband was in the stands, and her coach was in the stands. And you had three attempts at getting it, and she failed her first two times.
1: Oh, no.
2: And the coach leaned over and just hollered out, You got this. Believe it. You can do it. This is more than you've ever done, but you got this. And when she did it and she got the movement, not only her husband, but her coach were both crying for the happiness and the joy to see their push beyond what she ever thought she could do. And she was running around the whole state, and everything, (laughs) all excited. So, you know, you can achieve so much. It really is amazing. And when you have that good support system, it is. Know your limits, but try to push them, try to push them a little bit.
1: So next week we are going to have a lovely lady that we've been wanting to have on for a while. Stephanie Sleekus, the head cross country and track and field coach, will be coming on for episode thirty-eight.
2: Uh, do it again. Of Nichols. Ah. Oh.
1: Stephanie Sleekus, Nichols, head cross country and track and field coach.
0: What's Nichols?
2: Yeah, State should Nickel State University. She'd say Nichols State University. Start over. All right, you know what? Okay. Cause they so, might think she no, you're quarter, right. And I, on it?
1: here, it just said it's gocolonels.com but it literally just has Colonals. Stephanie Sleek. its Colonals. Oh, my
2: God. Jeez. I mean, Give What's up with this? Like, there's the bloopers for you. You can oh, throw those in. Oh, trust me. She's I have old. the most She's <laughs> getting old. Colonels? <laughs>
0: I've been sneaking some good bloopers in here lately. Uh-huh.
1: Like, let me get my throat. University. Yeah. Well, I can't believe he left that in there. <laughs> we
0: have a new one at the end. <clears throat> Okay. So- you should do that at the end. Yeah.
1: So next week for episode 38, we have a lovely lady that we have been patiently waiting to have on the podcast. We will have Miss Stephanie Sleekus, Nickel State University's head track and field and cross-country coach. Super excited about this one. Very good. So until next week, keep running.
0: Keep cycling. Whatever your passion. Train hard, stay safe, and in good health.
1: And tell a friend about the South Down Collective. Until next time. <coughs> <laughs> Clearing your throat over there? <laughs> bye. <laughs>
0: no, we're going to continue. to <laughs> Y'all have a great one. Adios.
1: I already said bye. <laughs> Oh. <laughs>